You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 422 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. Uh, Stephen is, I assume, buried in ice and snow in Portland this week, uh, given the weather forecast, or if you just didn't want to talk with us. But uh, left it to me to host. This is Seth. I've got Foz on, and happy to have him back. Foz, how you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Yourself? Uh, not too shabby. Uh, and even better than that, we've got a special guest this week. Uh, John Walton of John Walton fame uh, is here to join us uh, from France uh, and talk all things seats and terminals and planes and wonderfulness. John, how's it, how's it going? It's been 84 years. I just wanted to pull me back. Um, I, I, I was trying to figure out when it was, and I just figured it was pre-COVID, which is both oh god three months and also 84 years. So yes, yeah, wow, yeah. This is a delight to talk to you guys again. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say we were because we were trying to do a episode at uh, Hamburg last year, but uh, the timing and everything got crazy, and you were we didn't line up on that last day for Turkish food. So it was it's that sort of thing where like I it was the first air show back, it's the first big show back, and like and that sort of we were up to day four and we're like oh oh yeah oh how did we all do this again um Indeed. were we also like five years younger when we last did i don't know um, <laughs> yeah fair point fair point well we didn't uh, stop aging during covid damn it yeah i i i know some people came back with that sort of you know botox covid face you know not i and apparently not also the botox covid foot muscles so an ass <laughs> Well, speaking of long and exhausting things and ways to make them more comfortable, terrible segue, but we're going to try to do that. Uh, Qantas announced their Project Sunrise new first class and business class seats this week for the A350s. Uh, And we must once again give Qantas credit for stretching the media timeline on this program out yet another cycle. Uh, They have conducted a masterclass in making the rest of the world talk about their relatively limited and not so important. I don't say not important, but like marginal value to the most of the world program for like the last what three or four years now, and we've all took the bait <laughs> uh, entirely. Like lo- long before that, for Australian media, right? Because uh, you know, you guys remember I probably used to work for like, Australian Business Traveler and a bunch of Australian right. publications. They've been talking about like this sort of Project Sunrise thing for years before it became Project Sunrise, right? Oh, um, so yeah, no, like a good decade plus has this been brewing. Um, and yeah, no, like absolutely kudos to Alison Bowman and the team at Qantas. They've done a really good job of eking out the Halo product part of this first, um, because it seems like economy and premium economy are just going to be very basic, nine across, eight, three, fifty, maybe with 33 inches of legroom for economy, eight across premium economy. You know, basic, it's going to be a wellness system, though. Got a wellness Yeah. Or, is that what they're calling the galley now? Yes. Okay. Good. Wow. No, no I, I'm... So it's the wellness zone. I like the idea. Um, in the same way that the Virgin Australia bar kept getting used for service rather than being a bar, I wonder how much this wellness zone will be used for anything that is not just crew space yeah. and sort of having a snack trolley set up there. But but hey, I'll I'll but listen. That's like, that's the economy and premium economy re- economy release, and that's going to be like a month or two down the line here, maybe six months, so we can keep the cycle 
spinning. Let's talk about first class and business. So you're going in October, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So, 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 what's what's going on with Qantas first class and business class seats? So, first class, they've got six seats in two rows, um, which any mathematician will know means that they've got three seats in each row, which is a lot of space per seat, like an awful lot of space per seat, um, and that's that's weird in the choices that they've made. Um, is it the product? I, I feel like... Space makes sense to me, and we clearly have lag because you're across the ocean. So, oops, we'll talk over each other a bit. But um, the the space makes sense to me, right? Like a one 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 layout on a three fifty, it sort of aligns with what Emirates is doing one 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 on the triple seven. Like that, you you can you you need two aisles, so making them narrower. There is an argument for it if it's a nicer bed, I guess. And I know you're going to have some thoughts about the beds. Um, I do too. Uh, but like it. I don't hate one 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 as a layout necessarily. Um, it is it's going to, it's a wide cabin. It's a small cabin though. But don't it they need is, to do this for the weight restrictions? Well, there's that. well, this is a question, right? Like they, they, this is, and this is inherently going to be a question with this whole first class discussion. Um, um, but, but I guess if I can, if I remember it, so I can do one two one on an A three eighty, and a bunch of other airlines can too. Mm-hmm. Why can't I do that on an A three fifty? Right, because the A three eighty upstairs is narrower than the A three fifty. Yeah. Um, so I don't, and so I guess what that sort of naturally leads us to is, what is the usable space that they are giving you, the passenger, as a result of this extra width, right? And what that looks like is kind of mid two thousands of tons of first class on a seven four seven, but with the door, yes, right, with the door, and what super important, that's right, with the door in the open, right, and a wall that everybody walking by can still see over. Yeah, with a very low wall for new first class suites. Um, it's so very small. So it's taller than the business class, though. Well, yeah, the business class is sort of seated shoulder high, right? Unity yeah. is not a high promise. Right. Back to first class. So basically, you, the first half passenger, get this sort of armchair, which goes, does a little bit of a recline, but not a lot of a recline, um, with a little bit of a leg rest, but not a lot of a leg rest. And then this sort of very narrow bunk, which is permanently installed by the window, right? Opposite the little recliner thing is a partner dining slash Ottoman extravaganza. And it's it's just a little bit meh. Yeah, I, I looked um, at it and imme- my, my thought was immediately was the Lufthansa 744 upstairs. Like how, and it's funny, I think it was the Lufthansa seat must have been wider because it was old business class seats. Yes. And like this one is, I think, like a twenty-two inch wide seat and a twenty-two inch wide bed. I think the Lufthansa ones were a bit more than that. And I, I, did anybody measure the bed? I didn't see measurements of bed from the images, which are all renders at this point, and a couple of images from on-site in Sydney. It looks to be a little bit wider, but by no means the sort of width of even a narrow European bed, right? Yeah. Um, it. We are very much in bunk category rather than bed category here. And it's just down and made all the time. So you're sort of like sitting in a made bed hotel room. And I, I did think one interesting bit, um, and not directly, but sort of a nod to the thin air, sort of motorless, whatever, this new business class seat. Uh, they do say that the so sort of a backrest in the bed that will pop out and let you sort of have a slightly reclined leaning against breakfast in bed scenario. I don't know yeah. how that's going to work with like, uh, like it's like an easel right. basically sitting off the back wall. It's very odd. It, it's basically the, the vertical panel at the back, uh, basically the the headboard of the bed. Yeah, sort of swings out, maybe six inches, 
right? So, so yeah, it's like sort of a nothing happening. Nothing there, much at all. But how do you do breakfast in bed without a tray table there? Which there's not going to be. Right. That I can. Yep. There's no indication that there is one. I don't even know that there's going to be somewhere like if you're just sitting there with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and you wanted to put it down, where you'd be able to put it. Right. It's a very exactly. interesting. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming they can give you a tray, but but. You know, not to put too fun a point of this is first class, you're giving me a tray. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just it's 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 a baffling product to me. It seems to be I mean look, I understand why you would want the bed to be down all the time because that reduces weight significantly, right? Back to what Foss was yeah. saying. Um it's a very light situation. What I don't understand is why you couldn't have some sort of lightweight love seat into Murphy bed kind of situation. Right. Yeah, the flip down Where... a la the old Singapore in that design, yeah, design, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, or even some sort of um, sofa bed with the extendable thing, like a sort of side-on sofa bed, or where the ottoman itself, like the ottoman plus foot area of the bed, is sort of more of a sofa, because this this the seat itself is fine, I guess. It's better than a new Singapore Doctor Evil chair where you sort of swivel slowly around in a weird motorized way. But it doesn't look like 20 hours comfortable to me. Um, it just looks like a sort of slight lazy boy almost situation, but without going anywhere near as deep as a lazy boy, right? Like it sort of reclines yeah. a little bit, but not a, not enough to make you go, wow, that looks really comfortable. It um, almost looks like to me like it's a premium economy recliner. Yeah, maybe a little wide, right? It's building. maybe twenty-two instead yeah. of twenty wide, but like that, the amount, and yeah. it's it's a little more than that, but it's it feels like a premium economy recliner. Not that much more than that, right? If you look at something yeah. like Stelia Celeste, right? Those sort of zero G, um, the zero G ones, yes, the zero G ones. Business seats, um, yeah, like this. This could be, um, not quite U.S. domestic first, right? But sort of um, international airline narrowbody full business class kind of situation. Right, you get yeah. Cathay A three twenty one Neo with the um, with the Collins Airrest, for example, that sort of recliner plus category. Um, Turkish, yeah, it 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 feels it's not it's not correct. Um, yeah, it, and at the same time, though, what, for me, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was gonna say at the same time, like I don't need or want necessarily like an absurdly wide seat all the time. I like being able to like have both armors. The Singapore seat is super wide. And like they give you right, the that, story, that, 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 right? That's too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's, um, it's a fine line somewhere in the middle there, but I don't know where it is. Yeah, I think it's. I think the answer to me, the answer is like a good love seat situation, mm -hmm. um, with 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 something like that, or some sort of um, chaise longue meridienne kind of situation with the. Um, uh, with a partner seat, so like you as the passenger would want to maybe sit on the Ottoman space as well as having a right. So, so you've got sort of two seats to choose from: a recliner seat and a sofa seat, and then you can lie down in bed if you wanted to. But you're going to have sort of twenty plus hours in this seat. You're going to want a bunch of different positions, not just sleep mode and sit mode. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah I, I get, it's that, that's the hard one for me. It's like what's what's your mid-afternoon reclining right yeah, that you exactly what's sort of half lying down watching movie right yeah but like you can't straighten your legs out like that yeah. but still stay a little up right yeah there's like there's a few positions that i feel like are probably missing it's gonna be interesting yeah no i, I absolutely agree um absolutely agree. 
it's yeah it's just it's not it's not great if there's n- I, I don't feel like there's any needles being moved on this no yeah. revolutionary products um i hope it's really light right like i hope they've got it <laughs> to a point that it's like the the, the the answer was oh no this is so absurdly light that we couldn't possibly have chosen anything else right yeah but no i i do agree with you though the the innovation sort of innovation meter there was like meh meh yep Foz, what are you ready to fly I I wonder if this flight will make it or if it's going to have the same fate as the Air New Zealand flight. Yeah. <laughs> Constant diversions? Well, yeah. Frequent Qantas, diversions? Qantas started off having to do frequent diversions for its Dallas flight, right? When yeah. it started to Sydney to Dallas um, on the 747-400ERs, right, which I believe the only six ever made went to Qantas. Six, eight, yep. something like that. Um, and then it had to do the same with the A380 when it started to be the A380. They'll figure this out, right? Um you know, well, there's going to be trivial fuel tanks on this plane. And well, to be um, fair, though, also the, the way they figured it out with the 380, at least back 2018 when I flew it Sid- Dallas to Sydney, the westbound, the longer one, was they blocked 70 seats. Yeah, yeah, but that's, that's, yeah. Is that that's really not a good figure, right? Yeah, is that really figuring it out? Well, if you're blocking economy and you're selling all the business class seats, maybe. No, westbound, right? Eastbound, yes. you're fine because that's where the planes sure. blow. Um, but it's it's the Western problem, so you don't have to refuel in Fiji, yeah, right. Um, and so, kind of the same here, right? So, if you want to go nonstop to New York, they can fly the full plane. If you want to come back, they've got to take a, you know, X fewer passengers. I don't know. Um, yeah, like there's, there's and eventually more... everybody migrates to New York because there's not enough seats going home. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was like, wondering how we're going to get them back. <laughs> Some people have to connect to the as, as I believe, the only one of us who is actually a native New Yorker, I take umbrage with this. <laughs> um, fair enough. Let's move a little bit back in the cabin then. Business class. Yeah, so business class um, is the Saffron Unity product. Now, Unity surfaced at this year's Aircraft and Series Expo. It was part of a Saffron uh, formerly Zodiac, if anyone remembers that name. Uh, Zodiac was formed from Sick Man's Contour and uh, Sydney in California. Um, it's part of their, they did a program which was basically sort of in, during COVID, they did a bunch of kind of an internal prizes program for sort of people to sort of re, yeah, redevelop concepts and yeah, exactly, exactly. And they came up, well, the the ones that won were, um, Unity for the wide body, which is this, um, rather generous stagger and view for narrow body which is the sort of um outward facing window facing herringbone for the narrow body uh, market principally of course the a 21 xlr right because that's what sure. no, no one's yet as far as i'm aware putting this into any boeing maxes um so unity is so i sat into a bunch do you have a chance to sit in it seth no nah, not if i remember it but okay so it's it's pretty good it's it's a well above average stagger um mm-hmm. Which, given that we're stagger on staggers on the market, is good. Um, there was a lot of that from Australian media. Like a... Yeah, good. There's a lot of chat from Australian media about this being you know, hugely customized by Qantas and their design partners. Um, it's not. The, the, the customization seems to be changing the color, changing the shape of the customization zone around the head, and adding a glasses compartments next to the footrest. Um, this is this is a very stock standard um, uh, Saffron Unity product. Um, I, I, and as such, it's got pluses and minuses. Yeah. Speaking of the glasses storage, which 
I just flew on uh, BA's old Club World. So, you know, you can see I wear glasses now. Sometimes I didn't bring them on that trip, but it would have been nice to have glasses storage in that seat. Um, I couldn't help but laugh reading the release about the first class cabin, noting that there was a dedicated glove box in first class among the six storage mm-hmm. units. And I'm curious who is traveling with, gl- like, I know glove boxes aren't actually used to store gloves anymore, but like that they called attention yeah. to that. And I just laughed a lot. Right, and I think that's what they're calling the thing in 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 business as well, right? So it's the yeah. the sort of like, the corner, well, the sort of the flat bit of the of the foot box slash uh, side table, the front of it is a sort of lift up pocket thing, and it's like that's where you put your glasses and pens and crocheting needles, I guess, for this very long flight. I don't know, um, you know, why yeah, why you can't it just <laughs> yeah, I, I just yeah, so so. And so Unity is a good product. It's got a door. Um, it's not super lightweight. And I have some issues with the structure of it. So if you look at the Qantas release, um, staggered seats have an immediately aisle adjacent and an immediately window adjacent um, staggered, right? So one, each of the seats goes one, first one, then the other, first one, then the other. The immediately window adjacent ones have this massive sort of side wing privacy thing. Um at, yeah, so like none of the planes, the window, so none of the birds can look in and see you, John. It's obvious. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, and, sorry. Now that I think about it, though, Chinese spy balloons at forty thousand feet might be taking pictures in the windows. That that is true. That is true. Uh, the real. I mean, not that there aren't the the. <laughs> so the other thing that I thought was pretty interesting about these renders is they do not have the new Airbus uh, electronic dimmers visible they've got the old the old lip of the of the movable uh, the window shade physical screens yeah. um so i mean honestly these are renders god knows how old they are god knows to what extent they're going to actually you know reflect the end product um but yeah it's this is a very you know for something's called product sun project sunrise sorry starting again for something's called project sunrise you may not get to see the sunrise without actually having to like lean forward and peer out of half of a window which just seems yeah. weird from a from a product decision point of view. I don't. I mean, I, I I talk to a lot of seat makers about a lot of the structural issues with seats, particularly now that we're in a world where you have to have sixteen G dynamic testing for crashes and stuff. I can't see how or why adding weight at that point in the seat gets you any benefit. The only benefit I can see is a reduced part count for the it's... middle seats. But uh, like even yeah. then. If I'm in the if I'm in the middle sort of honeymoon seats, do I want to have to lean forward a foot to sort of look around and say good night to my partner? I do not. That is not a thing I would like to do. And if so, you're not, yeah, if, and if you're not going to see your partner, you put the divider up and it goes past that. Well, if, if, if I'm traveling next to some rando or Pat from accounting, yeah, the right. divider goes up and uh, after we finish our spreadsheets, you know, that's yeah. It, it's I could argue it's useful, right? There's. Eddie had put it in economy class for like something to lean against while you're trying to sleep. I could argue, and especially for, we were talking about wanting multiple positions to sort of yes. snooze around sure, and whatever, a having a sort of semi side. This is an actual bed. Right. Right. But yeah, um, no, I, I get it. I just snooze, you'll have a nice big pillow, and maybe a du- you'll have a duvet that you could wad up in that against the wall if you wanted to. Yeah. Like it's no, a I'm strange with you. I will, decision. I will also say, though, the rendering, like they clearly copied seats from one aisle and just move them down to the window on the other side they'll have like the seat number logos on the window against the window so not a great not not a fully baked product to really announcement release so oops i guess no no um and i find that really weird because they're actually 
they know that there are people with it like us who who, who take a really strong interest in this. Um, yeah. And that's yeah, that's kind of the obvious the obvious groups. Do you recall the uh, the footwell situation? It's obviously angled from the renderings and whatnot, and I just don't remember how wide it was. No, it's and not. Course... It's not. It, it's it's actually a very good, very sizable footwell. Uh, is it okay? It's not. And the the, the reason why it looks angled is because the cushion is sort of angled. The the, the base cushion is angled. Um, and what what is is that means that the seat itself is a wider seat, and then it angles in to meet the width of the footwell area. But once so the footwell is not well, it doesn't taper more. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, so that's that's almost the problem that Cathay had, where like they have that bit that sort of folded up to meet the the sides of the seat. So this this just they just said you know actually we're going to have this sort of weirdly slightly trapezoidal shaped okay seat pan cushion instead, um, and and we'll live with that. So yeah. Um, but again, it's nothing nothing revolutionary. It's an it's a stagger, right? We've had staggered seats since. 2008 maybe 2006 sure. if we're counting original vantage um, you know and it's very much the sort of Beyonce model of doors right if you liked it then you should put a door in it so um, it's nothing it's, it's yeah, think... you know the, the, what, what I find really interesting is given the amount of weight they in theory had to, to, to lose on this Saffron has this sort of very interesting sort of patented magnetic flappy fabric style door thing oh, yeah. um, like a, a privacy screen which is not included here. Instead, they went for the full on so, sliding mechanical hydraulics, yeah, whatever. Door. Big on no, it's, it's not hydraulics. It'll just be yeah. some sort of friction Spring. sliding door thing, right? Yeah. No, I don't. It's it's not even going to be like the enormous oh. air fronts oak door, right? Um, like it's, I don't think somebody's spring. Yeah. I think it's the Pull it both ways. I wouldn't spring load it. Why would you want to spring load it? That like that that air front spring loaded door, by the way, insane nuts. No idea why we're doing that. Um, yeah, 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 just, just, just stupid levels of, of passenger experiences. I am sorry, but this, no, that like if, if, if Qantas, I mean, I seem to remember this on the, uh, on a stand was just a sort of standard. You pull it closed, you pull it open. It's okay. The, the, the friction is basically the, what's, what, what holds the thing in place. Um, yeah, it stays wherever you like it. Done, done, done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. but yeah, I, look, and I, all of this is just really interesting, right? Because. If you think about sort of Quantas' last generation of products, last generation of the product was a um, slightly bespoke premium economy, the problem of which was it reclined too far and they didn't pitch it far enough, right? So that, that creates the problem. Um, the business class was a fairly standard at that point um, stagger, right, in Vantage XL. Um, it was an early Vantage XL in fairness to it, um, but it was a product that we'd seen for some time. Um... And before that, of course, it was an entirely revolutionary product, right? Um, yeah. They had a full reskin of that A380 Skybed Mark III, the fully flat one. Um, they had a, that, that their own very bespoke first class. And yeah, it's 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 a, it's it's a bit of a disappointment that there's nothing more interesting on this. I, I agree with you, and yet I have to ask, sort of, is that just because there's nothing more to be done? Have we hit a wall in terms of innovation sort of more broadly in the industry and i think there's no right someone eventually is going to come up with some crazy new yeah. that's gonna you know wow all of us or piss us all off or probably some combination of both but are we at in like in the doldrums here are we sort of stuck you know somewhere in the middle of the pacific not moving do you know in business class 
I could take that argument if we could have a sort of hour-long discussion on it. Um, in the same year when Finnair unveiled its sofa, right. I don't think we can say that, that, that... I mean, look, and obviously that's a product that, again, has been going around for the best part of a decade. Um, sure. Back when it was a Priestman good concept, I believe it was. It was a, yeah, who, I don't whoever's concept it was. Um, it was going to be one of the British, the British Airways yeah. as a product. Um, yeah, but I think it was, it was one of the design agencies that sort of created it for BA. And I want yeah. to list Priestman, but don't don't hold me that. It could have been Factory or Acumen or someone. I don't think it was Tangerine. But be, anyway, it was one of those, the, the, the design agencies who created it for BA. And BA said, actually, no, um, because BA are Muppets in that position, in that situation, like the whole situation with their current club suite and how that came out. It's just crazy. Um, but then it sort of went to Collins, who took the um, IP, I believe. They bought out the IP on it. Yeah. And then Thin Air came along and said, actually, this is the, this is the product we want. Um, if there's that sort of innovation gone in the same year, I don't think we can say that we are done with innovation. Um, Tip, I think but... that there is definitely a, 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 a set of decisions to be made again about the sort of recline to bed versus flip over to bed situation. Um, Cecilia and I have talked about this a number of times. I'm very much still team flip over to bed. I really like to continue to like that Virgin Atlantic 2003 product where you get a little bed that flips over. Yeah. And that's I kind don't. of why this Qantas... <laughs> right, right. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. Um, but that's kind of why this Qantas seat seems so weird to me in first class. Yeah. Is because you basically don't have any more functionality than that Virgin 2003 business class up across suite, right? Yeah. You've got a, you've got a sort of a, a meh recliner and a pretty good flatbed, right? Yeah. Um, yes, you have a lot more, so you've got like three times down of space. But that's the that those are your choices for positions, and you can only like pacing with zero steps is not really a thing to do with space. So I will I'm going to refine my uh, I don't like the flip down bed thing. Uh, my usual complaint about the flip down bed is you can either be sitting or sleeping, which sort of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit on the first class seat. There's no in between positions or not as enough. If there was, and they clearly have the space and you know opportunity to work it here, especially for a flight this long. I would be willing to accept the like having to get out of the way and have someone flip down my seat and do all that for me and then get it done because I have 20 hours. If I have five and a half hour or six and a half hour right. block time, maybe five and a half in the air to London, ain't no one got time for that. The New York, the New York London problem. No, exactly. So that's why, I mean, to, to go off on a that's why I think that Virgin Atlantic seat was best placed on Air New Zealand, who by yes. and large had 12 hour block times. Um, and so actually spending a few hours having dinner, then a really jolly good sleep, and then a couple, an hour before landing. And then repeat all the way to Auckland from London. Great. Um, but yeah, so I I just wish that this had wowed me more. Um, yeah. And I I don't think we're alone in this thought, Seth. It's hard to tell. I mean, you know, I, I, I certainly don't think we are, but then I go and like look at headlines out there and everybody is striving to be the most fawning. So I don't know. But are you guys really surprised? Yeah. I mean, Qantas has never been known for anything cutting edge. I don't know. Um, I I think that that their first class product has always been that sort of Australian luxury thing. Um, they're not over the top, absolutely, but their first class lounge product is incredible. Um, it's a great product, but I don't think it's anything revolutionary or cutting edge. Did 
I'm trying to think. Do you mean the the Tracy product falls? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the last one okay. I flew, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it was in 06. Yeah, because don't forget Lufthansa first out there was upstairs pretty much um, on the 747s. That didn't go into the nose until the 7478. Right. Um, and on the A380, it's upstairs as well, so that's a bit narrower. Um, the Qantas is downstairs, so it's really wide. Like, there's a lot of space in there, if you think about it, because it is, again, three across. Yeah, and don't forget, like at that time, Lufthansa was flying a lot of that terrible A340 recliner first. I understood, but I mean, as far as the uh, what products were out there, right? Luft, Lufty did have the newer product out there, and yeah, I just found the I, yeah. having done the I mean, it's... 380 uh, first on Qantas. Like I was going into it with all this excitement of all this, because like, everyone raved about it, and it was a great product, but it was nothing that was that impressive. Yeah. No, I, I, it's a really good point, Foz. Um, I think that if I were flying Qantas first, I've been in lounges a few times, they're actually flying the product. Mm-hmm. But I'd be very excited about the sort of modern Australian luxury soft product of the experience. So like the wines, the foods and all of that. I wouldn't necessarily be excited about the hard product. So I guess it's a good point. Um, that, that said, the airline hasn't been shy about talking up its hard product for this in any way. Um, right. And the, you know, I do remember... When I did the Qantas product, I had done the Lufthansa and the Cathay product a number of times, and the soft onboard offering, the lounge was great. There's no doubt about that. But the onboard offering was meh compared to the others with First. Right? You take mm-hmm. Singapore, Cathay, or Lufty, the First is always, cons- the service is always consistent, and they are they're always tending to you. I did not get that same feeling with the Qantas folk. That's so interesting. Um, I... I had a. F- I've not done the Qantas product, but but from what I like, the the feeling I have about it is that it's it's a little bit sort of more Australian matey, perhaps, than the sort of formality of Lufty or Qantas or Lufty or Cathay. Um, but yeah, I can. Again, we come back to to to, to cruise being important and the soft product being really important. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a good point, Foz. Um, did we expect too much from this? Maybe. Um, did Qantas tell us to expect too much from this? Definitely. Yeah. Because uh, this is all right. This is this is this is just this is a, a sort of weird hybrid first class thing and a very standard business class. And it looks like the premium and the economy are also going to be very standard. Um, last thing to sell on this. Uh oh, there's more. Yeah. So one of the things that they threw out was the the again a rendered seat map, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of economy class on this plane. Yeah. Like it's door three all the way to the back. Yeah. Which is, rows, I think. 146. That's not even a sort of British air like like I, I can imagine a sort of British Airways high J A three fifty configuration having more business class seats than this. I could like this has proportionally um United has less economy on its Hyperlaris seven six sevens. Right? Absolutely. Which have like what four rows of normal economy at the back or whatever it is. Um but there's, yeah, for, for something that's going to have to be very light, there's an awful lot of economy class on this plane. Um, yeah. and, and the idea of spending twenty hours in economy just fills me with, with dread. But but <laughs> mainly that is a that is a that is a that is a sense of dread that does not apply to normal people because people 
happily have been flying Auckland to Doha for nearly that long for many years at this point. So, yeah. But I would, ar- but I would argue Auckland to Doha, you have a lot fewer options than New York to Sydney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, if you're not American, the idea of doing all of that on Qantas rather than like flying American to LA or Dallas and then changing is pretty attractive. Yeah. yeah. And especially in the other direction, right? You don't want to have to sort of clear in Dallas and connect. That seems no, that's that's not pleasant. Had the last three hours of your trip be this meh seven thirty seven first class seat or economy, yep. even worse with nothing, no screens, no nothing. Right. Yep. And and you've and you've had a hassle to to clear your luggage in Dallas, and you know you get irrupts onto the wrong flight, and you're two hours delayed because you know the filthy and, foreigners line in Dallas was too long. No. And it's a middle seat now. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Right. But the counterpoint would be clearing customs in Dallas is probably easier than a JFK. Uh, not a T7. Well, tell me the, uh, well it's not going to be T7 anymore. Yeah. It'll be T8. Uh, it's, it's, it's right? Yeah. So it depends on time of day then because that gets busy with the BA and the AA stuff at night. But if it's yeah. morning, it wouldn't yeah. be bad. Just on it, ironically, the Qatar flight also comes in in the morning there. Um, no. All right. We're going to move on here and talk, you know, more broadly about business class and premium cabins because. We got John, and what else are we going to do? Um, <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Stefan, one of our uh, friends of the show, frequent listener, frequent questioner, uh, was commenting on some of our previous show notes about flying premium economy on Delta, and he has flown a lot of Delta One, but hasn't ever quite gone to premium economy, and was asking, sort of, did we think that was a worthwhile, and sort of, you know, yeah. the answer sort of came back to price point and a lot of other things, but he also mentioned he enjoys flying delta one on the 330 neo more than the 350 in part because it has gaspers air vents blowers whatever you want to call them um yeah john's getting excited here and but also noted that they don't have the overhead bins in the business class cabin and that is a design decision a lot of airlines have made it's sort of been pushed by the airframers and i guess the tangerines by the way who is who did the thin air seat before collins um and various others. No, no they, uh, yeah, they did it for Collins. So they know Tangerine yes. did the thin air customization okay. um, for of the Collins air lounge seat. It okay, wasn't so the original thinker okay. behind the seat. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, no. That's what I get for trying to Google it while we're talking. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. And I'm curious your take, but I obviously know your take on the Gaspers. Yes, everywhere, all the time, and right. very yeah, hard. Yeah. I, mean, look, no, I did start the hashtag We Want Air Vents on Twitter. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm well known to carry a small USB fan with me because I like moving air, or if it did before COVID. I'm I'm not still not sure why I fall now <laughs> in the age of, of 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 everyone being concerned about how their air is flowing. Um, but but yeah. Um, so obviously, individual air vents, massive fan. Um, if you are an air vent fan, let me tell you the product to purchase is the retreat suite on the Virgin Atlantic A330 900 Neo, which has a full eight gaspers for the two passengers in the retreat suite. Your your left leg can have its own gasp, your right leg, both arms. I mean, it's marvelous. Um, as for the overhead bin question, um, this is an interesting one. And I, I go back and forth on this. Um, because it's this is a social question more than anything else. People have been conditioned, certainly in business class, to believe that the space above their seat is their space, right? And so if you're in the middle seat and you have no overhead bin, and you have to put your bag 
in the bin above the person in the aisle seat opposite you, the likelihood of that person being some sort of petty bin tyrant is relatively high at this point. And it creates drama. In the same way that it always used to in first class on a 747 up front. Because the, the overhead bins never started until about row three, and then those were the 747. Um, and yeah, you got that sort of weird look of like, why are you using my hair tracks? Uh, I was like, well, because there's no there's no bin above my seat or the one behind me, so we're going to have to share. Um, and you should have shown the yeah, better seat, my, John. Uh, yeah, better seat than one A, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, but 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 no, it's it's. I wanted to look at the front of the plane. Why it's so weird? Um, but no, it's it, it is one of those perennial questions, right? Um, obviously, it takes out a good amount of weight from the cabin. Um, but not only the the, the 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 structure, but the connecting structures can be removed, plus all the air vents. If you're putting air vents in, yeah. Um, Which, of course, the downside of that is yeah. if there's no place for the duct work, you can't put an air vent in the top top ceiling and expect people to get up there and like spin the nozzle and whatever. You need a step ladder, right? So. Well, if if there's no bin, if there's no bin, there's definitely no personal air vent, right? Right. Um, but to be honest, in a lot of modern configs anyway, even if there is a bin, there may not be an air vent, so right. it's a bit, yeah. Um, definitely team air vents, and I think actually on balance, I'm also team center bins. Um, yeah, I've, I've never I thought. No, the problem with my feeling in this seat is is that the ceiling is too close, right? That has never been a pain point for me, and I'm six foot two. So yeah, um, yeah, I, right. the, the pain point they're trying to solve here is not a passenger pain point; it's a weight pain point. And ah, it certainly is a weight pain point. I was, you know, to listen to the designers sell it, they also argue the open space and the broader sight lines feels more open and so even we can you know we don't we don't have to take seats out or give you more leg room but you feel less cramped in that space okay john's making hand gestures are definitely not i would argue that that's probably a reasonably accurate statement because i think back to the dc 10s and the l 1011s and they used to feel huge with the small bins yeah i i don't think it's wrong i just don't know that it matters enough yeah, yeah I, I, I certainly don't think it matters in business class enough. Um, yeah, and actually, there is there is a there is a point at which um, the acoustic design of having this massive, potentially echoey space with plastics that are not engineered to absorb sound, which they are not at this point. Um, it all it's giving very early Lufthansa A380 with its ninety six seats and very few monuments in between, where your ninety six well your ninety five closest friends and you had a plate of Maltashen and three beers and then snored your way to your destination. And the plane was so damn quiet that all you heard was snoring because there, were, there was no noise baffling in it. And actually, I think that there's a, there is an acoustic benefit to having these lower bins in that they do actually block some of the forwards and backwards noise from resonating quite so far throughout the cabin. Um, that said, why don't we just use that that noise-absorbent honeycomb sort of structure of plastic? Well, that's a very good question and one that I keep asking, but no one has yet given me a good answer to. Fair enough. All right. We have certainly beaten the premium cabins dead and deader here um, and are going on. So I'm going to jump through a few of the rest of the topics, a couple quick bits to talk through. Um, first up, uh, yes, John, you're correct. I have a typo there in the notes. Uh, IAG has been trying to buy Air Europa for many years. Uh, they that sort of fell through. There was ownership questions. There were other challenges, uh, competition challenges. They think they got him again. Are we happy? Are we sad? Do we care? Um, good luck getting that past the EU Competition Authority. Yeah, it's oh, hard. Sure. And and having IAG own 
Iberia, Welling, and Air Europa, the three airlines in Spain. That's not a problem at all, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no. I mean, it's not like the, the EU got really shirty about the Korean Airlines and Asiana merger. Um, it's justified. So this, 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 I'm, well, I yeah, know I agree, but like if that is your, if that's your threshold, um, yeah. merging the two largest airlines or at least airline number one, number three in Spain, uh, I would, I would have some concerns. The only two long haul airlines. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not um, even like Asiana and Korean put a ton of traffic into Europe. But anyway, uh, right. So. Like, like if, if, if you object to Asiana Korean, you cannot not object to Air Europa and Iberia being the same family. That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, uh, but but just... you know, I mean, good 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 luck, right? I mean, it, I think we're going to have a big round of consolidation in Europe. Um, Air France yeah. looks minded to buy TAP. Um, Lufthansa looks minded to buy what's Alitalia this month? ETA. Um, yeah, I, I we're going to have another round of consolidation, and we're going to have even bigger airline groups, which are going to be even more fun to deal with. So. Kansas City finally gets a new terminal. Opens this week. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, it will have been open for two days. Uh, Kansas City is one of the last terminals in the world that's like individual security for every gates area. Uh, kind of terrible. Or Clemens, Singapore, Changi. Oh, yeah. Singapore does it. But Singapore, at least, you're sort of inside. Well, there's like layers of it, right? You like go through the first level of security or whatever to get into the terminal area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's the, like and the no gate, bombs depending on the destination, sure. right? And, and then yeah, and then you have specific no, but your your primary screening is at the gate. There's a sort of no giant bomb screening as you walk into the terminal yeah. and immigration. There's an immigration check, yeah. right? There there is a maybe it's, it's not secure. Yes, and it's the immigration passport control. Yeah, yeah. You move into the sterile space. That's now this is Kansas City is like the it's like an old horseshoe with like two, like old Tegel, right? Like two or three gates, yeah. a security yeah. checkpoint, and no bathroom it also doesn't play the international airport role of singapore right and i mean right. kansas city was the was the role model for dfw right so it was those the, horseshoes yeah those horseshoes where you literally drive up to within 50 20 30 feet of your gate yeah and you, out and you just walk to your gate and that's why the security was done the way it was because it was all about drive up convenience yeah so the new terminal looks gorgeous um i'm a little sad i'm not out there this week to do it but i couldn't make it work on my schedule so Say love. Yeah. Since in a lot of pictures, it looks very, yeah. you know, very, very good. Kudos. Um, 787s. Oopsie. You're joking. Not another one? Oh, for God's sake. I can't honestly, I can't stand this. Uh, are we surprised? They found another this... one? Exactly. They found a, a problem with the, uh, it depends on who you believe. Right, it was originally released as the FAA has asked them to stop because there's a problem with the inspections, and then it was okay. Well, is it? Uh, it was sort of touted as just a paperwork issue. Don't worry about it. And then the more you read into it, it seems like it's oh, it's not a paperwork issue. It's these things are broken or not broken. It was they didn't have the the analysis that was done was like on the wrong metals or something like that. Like it was there was going to need to maybe be more testing or some significant more reanalysis, and they're not saying that the planes are dangerous. They're not going to take them out of service. They probably aren't going to have to replace anything, but it's like definitely the wrong stuff. And that's awkward. Yeah. It it, it seems like from what I've read, the, the releases on this seem to be rather underplaying the seriousness of it for, for public consumption. I'd be very interested to see what Boeing are telling their customers right now. Yeah. Um, about what exactly needs to be replaced slash inspected slash both. Um, yeah. yeah. 
especially since like you know they were actually picking up pace and finally getting some deliveries done and now not so much anymore yeah can you believe that over 1500 dreamliners have now been delivered dental i guess i have to that's a lot right like that's a lot like for what what is still in my brain a new plane (laughs) right like yeah yeah yeah, I mean, just think about how, how people flocked to it when they first came out. Right, everyone went to order them. Yeah. yeah, and then eight years late, when they finally started delivering them, people were still happy about them. So, yeah, yeah. details. Um, all right, next, Oman has opened its airspace to. They never mention Israel in the release, but all parties who participate in the ICAO, we promise we're safe. No, really, we're a normal airline. Thank you very much for letting us, you know, be part of your world. Uh, the cool news here is basically this was the last uh, stumbling block, if you will, before Israel can start flying straight across the Arabian Peninsula for long-haul international rights towards Asia. International flights, excuse me, towards Asia. Um, they had Saudi, they had some others, but this Oman was the last uh, big one that was going to be a problem. So very much look forward to seeing a lot of these routes changing here. They were, Israel was already doing some stuff, but Oman really makes it a lot easier. So, well, um, Where is... Oh, I guess yeah, because you, you, I, I imagine they still can't overfly Iran. Um, so yeah, you have to fly south to Yemen and then fly east. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, but it is a it is a big change. We'll obviously see how much happens there. Um, one other random thing I saw uh, sort of came across in my timeline the other day. Someone had some statistics that they said from Advantage Program in uh, the year of twenty twenty two. Sort of just sort of summary details and. They noted 13 million travel rewards and 15 billion miles flown on those travel rewards. So 13 million redemptions. That's pretty cool. Like, great. Yay. A lot of people, you know, in a program of, of what, nearly 100 million people, that actually doesn't seem like a ton to me, but fine. Um, but the 15 billion miles flown, like, if, if that's actually accurate, and I don't know for certain it is, that suggests that the average award is 1,100 miles flown. Which means a lot of short haul reward trips, right? Am I? I mean, no, that, that'd be accurate. Yeah, right. And so I, it's just interesting to me. I think you know, we all, not all, always, but often we especially talk about the premium cabin, long haul, Uber value, whatever rewards, and just a friendly reminder that that is such a tiny niche part of what these loyalty programs are working against. I guess is how I see this. It's just interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and certainly internationally, I think that's that's very true. Um, not just a sort of British Airways example, right, where BA's short haul rewards are actually very reasonably priced in in Avios. Um, it used to be. But, no, I, I still it's gotten, it's gotten it's worse. Uh, yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, like it's 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 not you know forty five hundred miles anymore for anywhere in Europe, um, but it's still pretty good given the given the earning rates um, and the number yeah. of, of of alternate earning options and transfer options you have from. Certainly, that people in the, in the US have from cards, and um, yeah. people elsewhere have from sort of partner earning and, and supermarket points and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's and and yeah, I mean, I think the, the, it's certainly a really good reminder that a lot of the aspirational stuff that we would all look to use our points for because we know the price of them. Um, we redeemed one hundred and twenty-three thousand Avios for my partner to fly from London to Tokyo in first class. Is coming up, right? It's like definitely on this stellar value, de- right? Yeah, great value. Um, 
Uh, but 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 a lot of folks are actually pretty happy with using them for their winter ski break or whatever. Yeah, um, I still remember an old boss of so mine was like, I don't. She said, I don't care what it costs as long as they'll give me four seats so we can go skiing for spring break. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And she earned enough from business travel, and then eventually, I mean, this is twenty years ago, where it sort of did work out. Just the business travel was enough to earn that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and I, I I laugh at the obvious thing, just um, mostly at myself. I've just qualified for bronze status for the first time. I'm flying a lot of BA transatlantic premium economy and business class this year, and it's like, it turns out that that was the best place to credit them from a status perspective. And then I'm going to have these obvious that I don't know what the hell to do with. So we'll see. Yep. Oh, oh, the, 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 um, I believe if memory serves, the internal US Avios redemptions are actually they're still okay. Yeah, they're still okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, there, there's... Yeah. Anyway, that's it. Um, we're going to pull the plug on the rest of the show because we've been babbling way too long. Uh, John, as always, thank you for joining us. Uh, I guess you're sort of still that John on Twitter. Are you more Mastodon-y? Are I, you Yeah, somewhere? I'm I'm still I'm still yeah, so I'm that John on Twitter, that John at social.coop on Mastodon. Find me at Walton.travel for everywhere else. Um yeah, I'm I'm about around writing for, for, for a whole bunch of different places. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I've got I've still got uh, <laughs> Really? Didn't notice that. Uh and for the rest of our, everybody else, uh, as always, thanks for listening. We're at dots lines on Twitter or more dots more lines.com. We've got a few bits coming up in the bonus section here for our patreon subscribers uh feel free to sign up and throw us a couple bucks a month and get all the bonus content and early access to the episodes uh and beyond that we will catch up with you next time happy travels take care